Welcome to episode number 193 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. This podcast is brought to you by Sendable, which is the all-in-one social media management tool that my agency uses for scheduling and analyzing our social media results. You can try them out for yourself at onlinedrea.com slash Sendable. I'll put that link and any links we mentioned today in the show notes, and you can find those at onlinedrea.com slash 193. So that's onlinedrea.com slash 193. Today, I'm super excited to have Meg Casebolt on the show. Meg is the founder of Love at First Search, which is an agency singularly devoted to helping online businesses get found in search like Google, YouTube, iTunes, and turn those new readers into leads, subscribers, and sales. Meg's clients are entrepreneurs who are too busy changing the world to worry about things like website conversion rates and search traffic, but they still want their websites to get found on Google for their brilliance and turn and convert their readers. SEO is their vehicle for amplifying female entrepreneurial voices and empowering women to help their families and communities and the wider world flourish. And with that, Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm thrilled to be here. I feel like we've been talking about doing this for years and I'm finally here. <laughs> yes, it has been a journey. I mean, just because we're personally connected <laughs> on a like a friend level, but then also to bring you on the show, you know, we really talked a lot about the dance between SEO and social media and we'll dive into that in this conversation, which I know our listeners will love. Um, I do want to get a little bit of a backstory context for our listeners listeners. Um, how did you get started in the world of SEO? So I actually started as a web designer and not specifically devoted to SEO, which is for those who aren't familiar with the term, it's the practice of getting traffic to come to your website from search engines like Google. And I started as a web designer and I was doing all the visual parts of web design. You know, let's make sure that the brand colors are really beautiful and that the copy is really good. And let's make sure the layout of the web page makes sense. And my clients would hire me for that. And then we'd launch their websites and they go, okay, yeah, but where's all the traffic? And I'm like, oh, oh, that was not part of our scope of services. That was not something that I put into my proposal. But it actually makes sense. I think people assume that their websites will, when they launch their website, they will just get this influx of new clients finding them, but it's not necessarily a given. And I didn't want my clients to feel disappointed by that. So I started trying to teach myself as a web designer, the ways that I could help them get more traffic, which eventually turned into uh, being completely overwhelmed by all of the things that you need to do. And I turned to a couple of my web designer friends and said, guys, how do you balance the SEO, the, the technical optimizations that you need to do, the keyword research, all of that, and also making the websites look good and keeping up with trends and knowing CSS and all the things that I was kind of trying to juggle. My friend said, we, we don't 
find a way to balance it either. Sometimes we just outsource our SEO, but we don't really have a good person to do that. And I said, oh, that sounds like a blue ocean to me. That feels like something that nobody was doing in the marketplace that I was hanging out in. Nobody was exclusively doing search engine optimization. And so that's how I started was I stayed a web designer for a long time and just partnered up with other web designers and started doing their content strategies for their clients. Uh, And then kind of word of mouth spread from there. And I started talking more and more about SEO and it took off. And now I don't do any web design anymore. All we do is just helping people show up in those search results. Yeah. And I love how, like, just from a business perspective, how you kind of stumbled into this and then also just created something from an opportunity. That's just the magic of running a business. It's total side note. You can never <laughs> predict it. And I think that's something that people want to come out of the gate swinging and say, this is the thing that I do. Um, but often the opportunities unravel much more so than, you know, this isn't a, a lightning strike of, oh, this is the, you know, this proclamation from on high that this is the business that I'm going to run. It really is an unspooling and a a series of evolutions. And I think that's where most of us come from is you try something, you like it or you don't like it, and then you try something else and you get closer and closer to what becomes your thing. And then that changes. (laughs) Exactly. And I even think, you know, applying this to SEO, it it as an industry has been a series of evolutions. Mm -hmm. I remember when uh, my dad got into search engine optimization, actually worked at his agency. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I don't think you have. (laughs) (laughs) My dad owned an SEO agency, very much local business based. This was 2010. So think about the landscape. This was probably like all Atlanta going on, like all Atlanta based. And even then it was very specific to certain industries, um, service industries, like plumbing or flood restoration, carpet cleaning. And he would help these local businesses get found in search. Very different strategy than what you'd apply today. So talk to me a little bit like SEO today as a business owner, especially someone not local online. um, What's like the 411 on how we build the strategy? Well, I think what your dad was doing with the local search components, that's still totally valid for people who have those in-person businesses that are tangible outcomes. So, you know, it's January in upstate New York here. So we had to find a snowplow service this year. So I Googled snowplow register New York and up came a Google map that had all sorts of different snowplow services with reviews and blurbs written by the companies and links to their websites and free trials and all that. That still exists for people who are running in-person businesses who uh, have very tangible outcomes that people know. I need a snowplow right now. I need pizza. I need a haircut. Like that type of local SEO still works. But for many of us, we are either running online businesses that don't really need to be tied to a Google map and or our results are less tangible. I'm, you know, I work with online health coaches who are like, I want to help people cut sugar out of their diets. But those people may not necessarily go, oh, I need to cut sugar out of my diet, they may just be like, I'm, I feel bloated, 
right? They just go to Google and be like, oh, my stomach hurts all the time, right? And it's up to those health coaches to meet people at that experience of feeling bloated or feeling run down and helping them say, well, maybe we want to try an elimination diet. Maybe it's gluten. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's eggs. Like, what are the ways that you can test these things? And educating your potential clients using your content, using your website. And sometimes that's content that's a blog post on your website. Sometimes it's a downloadable resource. Sometimes it's a podcast episode. Sometimes it's a YouTube video. But using ways to meet people at what they believe their problem is or what the outcome is that they want to pursue and then educating them to show them that you're the right person for that, uh, whatever that outcome is. And they may think, I need to lose 20 pounds. And you might be like, no, you need to decrease your inflammation, actually. But you meet them at lose 20 pounds, and then you can educate them on how these, you know, inflammatory foods are impacting your ability to lose weight. There's always more to it. And being able to show up at the point where people believe they need support can be huge in terms of getting people to discover you in a very crowded marketplace. Oh yes, and I know we all want to be discovered. That's the name of the game right now is how do we how do we get people to to even know that we exist? And a lot of times it's going to the place where, you know, they're typing it into YouTube a video on, you know, how not to feel less bloated and your solution is popping up. So kind of drawing a line to this from this discoverability to social media, because I have been talking about this for the past year and a half on the podcast. It's a clear shift in social where social tools aren't necessarily discovery tools, and you've got to have a way to be discovered. So how do you see a user going from typing in a question into YouTube to becoming kind of like that loyal customer or client? Absolutely. So you can go to YouTube and you can look for something very specific, and then you can get to that person's YouTube channel and subscribe to their channel and click through to their website and join their email list and follow them on social from there. You know, the the YouTube or the blog post or the podcast, those can be your first point of entry for people who don't know what it is that they're looking for. And then once they discover who you are, SEO has done its job and it's up to whatever your nurturing mechanisms are within your marketing system to bring those people closer. I like to think of SEO as like a first date. <laughs> it's, like, it's like your Tinder profile, right? You have to choose whether to click yes or no on that particular listing. Um, I don't know. I've been married for so long. I don't really know. But I hear, I hear that's how the Tinders work. <laughs> but you know, SEO's job is to get you discovered. And then you can use whatever platforms you're using as your nurture platforms to get those people to move closer, to get them to learn who you are. That's when they can listen to your back catalog of your podcast episodes. They can scroll through your previous Instagram feed. They can connect with you and get those new updates coming out. But nobody is going into Instagram and looking for a hashtag about being bloated. Like, that's just not the way that people behave. That when they have a problem, they don't go to social. They go to social to be entertained and to catch up with their friends. When they have a problem that they need to solve, they search for the answer. Yeah. And I can give a, a great story example of this. I um, distinctly remember this is how I found the membership guys, Mike and Callie, oh. or they're now called the membership, membership geeks, geeks, Mike and Callie. Yes. Which I love that. I love that rebrand. 
Love the rebrand. I was just searching for, I wanted to start my membership and I didn't even know where to start, like what tools to use. And their website was a resource for me in the beginning. This was 2018. I joined their program. I was a member for two years, all because they provided value to me as a potential customer. And now I feel like I kind of know them. Like I'm, I feel like I'm on first name basis because of all of the beautiful content that they create. Absolutely. I do think sometimes, though, as as uh, business owners, though, we look at the end result and we go, that feels like a lot of work. So mm-hmm. when we're thinking about kind of getting started with something like that, um, what direction do you suggest business owners go in as they're looking at starting an SEO strategy? The first step that I always recommend is to get as specific as possible. If you are trying to get found for something as general as social media or weight loss or, you know, something that feels like a big idea, then it's going to be incredibly competitive in those search results. You're not going to go up against Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and, you know, what's the beach body, right? Like those are the bigger names. You're going to have to create huge brand awareness and go on like a giant PR campaign to even think about breaking into the top 10 of something as general as weight loss. But you can get hyper specific about um, weight loss for postmenopausal uh, senior women who have knee problems. Right? <laughs> like, if you get that specific or, um, you know, you have people with a specific condition or, uh, you know, if you're an interior designer and you trying you're trying to get found for interior design, then you are going to be up against HGTV. But if you're like, these are the lamps that will look really great in a mid-century modern living room, then you can absolutely be found for that. If you get specific, if you answer a specific question, you solve a specific problem, just like Mike and Kelly had like how to get started with your online membership. That may even be too loose. It might be, what's the best software to run for an online membership? Should you build your own? Should you use one of the pre-made platforms? Um, you know, I've used their resources for like, what are the, the email sequences that I want to send out to my members when I'm raising prices? How do I want to set up my churn, uh, and, and nurture sequences for those people? You know, there's so much specific value that we can bring into our content to answer people's questions and prove that we are experts in our field without giving everything away. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest fear that a lot of business owners have is that they're giving too much away, but it really is a relationship building tool. Um, I love that you used the, the Tinder analogy earlier. Cause I do feel like it is a little bit like that. Like you're, you're trying to get intimate with someone, right? So what do you say to like help them trust you? It's not just about like, let's do this thing. <laughs> it's gotta be, it's, there's gotta be some like wooing involved, right? Yes. You have to find ways to set yourself apart within those search engine results. And if we're talking about YouTube, it might be having really eye-catching thumbnails so that people who are scrolling through recognize your face. They recognize who you are. They believe in you and they trust you. If we're talking about podcast episodes, it might be including the name of your guest in there or including something that you know people are interested in in your podcast title so that people who are looking for your specific person you're interviewing or the topic that you're talking about can easily see that in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Even Google has podcasts now. Like Google will index all podcasts that are coming out. Um, And obviously for blog posts, we want to find a way to encourage people to click through on it, which might mean not just, you know, if you're writing a blog post about losing weight, you don't just call it like how to lose weight. 
<laughs> you say something interesting here. How to lose the last 20 pounds without starving yourself. 10 tips you can start today, right? It can sound a little bit clickbaity, but you want to give something of yourself and what people can expect in those search engine results so that you're setting yourself apart and showing how you're different from the other, you know, 9 to 15 search results on that same page. Yes, 100% agree. It all is about attracting the right people, but then keeping them there with actual advice. I love it. And recognizing that people can find different pieces of content based on what they need. So Andrea, you have 193 podcast episodes. Every single one of those can show up in your the podcast social media, or I'm sorry, the podcast search results, the YouTube search results, and the website search results for different things. It's not that every single one of those pages is going to show up for, uh, you know, Savvy Social Podcast. Every single one of them can show up for infinite numbers of keywords on the topics that they're talking about that are hyper, hyper specific. Yeah. And we see that with our show. We see people find Mm. us actually through YouTube mostly, and then they go to their favorite podcast app and subscribe there and keep on listening. So (laughs) it's working. (laughs) Yay. It's working. And then, and then eventually they may hire you or they may join your membership, but it gives them time to get to know you and you only need to be found once. And then you can have that content do its job. But the same content that you're creating, you know, people could go back and re-listen to episode two of your podcast today. It's still there. They could still find it showing up in search results. So this is something where if you're creating this type of search-friendly content, you can create it once and people can find it forever. It doesn't have the shelf life that an Instagram story does, which just drives me crazy that people spend so much time on their Instagram stories and they're literally built to disappear. Yes. Oh, yes. And that's why, you know, here at the podcast, we really uh, teach you guys to repurpose your content. If you're spending a lot of time creating a blog post, recording a podcast, making a YouTube video, take that to social media instead Mm of, you know, trying to create new things for social media. In fact, in our agency, for some of our clients, we have a rule that we call the no new content rule, (laughs) where (laughs) for certain clients, it's like we literally do not need to make any new content because their backlog is vibrant. We'll just pull from there. Um, I do want to like dive into your own strategy because I've really admired um, some of the things that you've done lately with launching your podcast. And even um, you did a recent series introducing your team that I sent to my team that I was like, <laughs> look at this. This is so cool. So talk to me about your social media strategy. Who on your team is helping you with that? Um, yeah, just kind of start sharing about that. Well, we have a very similar approach to you, which is it should not start at social. Social is a place to connect and it's a place to update people on what we're doing elsewhere, but we're often not creating specific for social media. We're creating for the podcast, for the YouTube channel, for the blog, and then we're sharing that out and then occasionally throwing in some, you know, engagement content or something like that. But that's not the intention of our social platforms. We really do want to be found through search and then just use social to give people access to other information that we've created. Um, so our power platform is YouTube. Everything starts from YouTube and then builds out from there. So I do have, so, I do have some solo podcast episodes. Not all of them are going to be on YouTube because that would be too much work. <laughs> but you know, we just start with the YouTube video and then, you know, repurpose it, strip the audio out, throw it into a podcast, create a blog post, share it in Instagram stories, share it in all the places. We actually just did in October a 30 day challenge where we, um, put out one new video every day on YouTube and 
and on IGTV and we compared the results and YouTube had like, oh man, now I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but we're going to say like a 300% increase in subscribers over the month. And Instagram had a 2% increase in subscribers over the month because the type of content that we're creating that's educational is not, is something that people search for and that they follow on YouTube. And that's what they're used to engaging with on YouTube. Whereas on Instagram, people aren't there to be educated. They're there to be entertained. And that was not the intention of the content. So just kind of knowing what the goal of your content is, where it needs to live, what people expect from different platforms, um, that can be really powerful. And then also, you know, within the past couple of months, I would say within the past six to nine months, we've really grown our team quite a bit and turned into much more of an agency model as opposed to a consulting model. And I wanted people to know who those were, that this isn't just me doing all the keyword research and all the business development and all the things um, that I have this robust team of incredible incredible people working with me. So we did a 12 days of love at first search and did a profile of everyone for 12 days in December, because why not? You know, if you, if you are able to use social media to give kind of the behind the scenes of how things are working for you, that can be a really fun way, especially when you have a, a personal brand that has a group of people behind it. Social media is a good way to remind people that you're not doing it alone. And that's a really important core value of Love It First Search is it's not just me. <laughs> it's all of us. It's a collaboration with our clients and with our team. Oh, yes. And I'm going to be borrowing that strategy because it was beautiful to see just just to see the team every day and be like, there is a great group of people here servicing this business. And we're using social media as a way to build that connection point with the team. Well, full confession, I just built out the team page on our website and I went to your website and looked at your team page to be like, how's Andrea doing this? <laughs> so we're very much stealing the best parts of each other's businesses here. <laughs> hey, what's the point of being friends if we can't learn from each other? Exactly. <laughs> now, talk to me about your, your strategy for this, because I don't think you're the one writing the post. Am I correct that you have your team helping you with some of yeah. that? My content marketing coordinator, Jocelyn. Um, so I still am doing the strategy for what our large, you know, YouTube strategy is. And then I basically hand it over to Jocelyn. Uh, we have a, a video editor, Sam, who does the actual editing and she makes me look so much smarter than I really am. <laughs> And then she hands it to Jocelyn, who, you know, turns it into the YouTube video, the blog post, the podcast. She takes it all and packages it up and puts it on social media. Um, so I don't really necessarily want to touch it after I turn it over to the team. I just want it to happen. And they're brilliant at, at taking my idea and turning it into something functional. So why not let them do their best work? You know, I don't need to be the yeah. one doing the editing and the writing. No. Yeah. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast want to get to that spot yes. where they have the team where they can just show up with the main content, have their brilliance live there, and then have the team deliver. But one of the things we hear is like the hesitancy to like mm. give up that piece. Did you feel that at all? Um, I worked with another social media group prior to having somebody on my team take over, and I did feel it there. I felt like they didn't really understand the company values or the brand voice in quite the way that I needed them to. Um, but I think a lot of that is just who who gets to know you. 
and who watches everything that you're creating and kind of gets to know the brand voice. And we also did a really uh, thorough job between working with that company and then bringing someone in-house where I was like, all right, here's our brand voice. Here are the things that, here are our pop culture references. Here are the gifts that we're going to be using. And that's that's a list that I'm always adding to. I'm, you know, a year ago, I wouldn't have had Ted Lasso on there, but Ted Lasso is firmly in place on there because I think it's hysterical, right? And it's not just always me. It's like, what does... Not just what does Meg Casebolt like, but what fits into the Love at First Search brand. We do a lot of rom-coms because it's Love at First Search. So why not? Um, you know, and I'm like crowdsourcing from the team. What are the rom-coms that have enough gifts that we can include them in our interact quiz? <laughs> so we're like, oh, we don't have enough for Hitch. We'll just have to go with Jerry Maguire, right? Like, it's... <laughs> This crowdsourcing idea of what is valuable to all of us. And also, how can we repurpose things in as many ways as possible? If we're going to spend time creating, it should be good for the next five years, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> we're If we're spending this much time on it, it better have some legs. I was actually looking at my YouTube stats, because um, we just did an end of the year report. And a video I recorded three years ago, a how-to video, is still our top performing video to this day. Which one it is gets it? Oh, I just need to know. I'm so curious. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's a Canva editing video. It's like how to add a background to your Canva graphic. And it gets about a thousand views a month still <laughs> to this day. It is never the ones you think it's going to be. You can have this incredible content strategy. You can have the best ideas in the world. And it's never what you think it's going to be. I... I kill it for SEO for podcasts. It's not something that I initially thought, like, I want podcasters to find me. It was like podcasters kept coming to me and asking me questions. So I wrote a blog post about it two, three years ago. And now that's it ranks really well for podcast transcriptions for SEO and show notes for SEO. And there's so much value in these two or three posts that I wrote years ago. But it wasn't intentional. It was just me being generous and answering questions people kept bringing to me. And I'm the same is true for Canva tutorials. It's not even about necessarily social media, but it builds into your social media, it proves that you know what you're doing, that you can teach in a way that people understand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like to consider it kind of like the Costco sample version of what we actually do. Like, I want you to try this and then buy the whole jumbo size. Yes. And have you tried the chicken tacos in the air fryer? They are incredible. This is the chicken taco of content. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get on the air fryer train for sure. I'm not there yet, but I need, I need that in my life. Um, oh my gosh, Meg, this has been such a great conversation. <laughs> and I know you have more to offer for our audience with your starter kit, your SEO starter kit. So tell us about like what's in the starter kit. I think that search engine optimization can be a very overwhelming tactic. And if you just go Google, like how to start SEO. <laughs> It's going to go way over your head for most people because the people who are creating the content have forgotten how hard it can be to get started. So go over, check out my starter kit. It's filled with memes and flowcharts and like fill in the blank Mad Libs and ways that you can start to think about your content without too much jargon or overwhelm. Um, thinking about what are the things that your ideal client could want and figuring out exactly how to get that information into the right places on your website, on your video on your podcasts, uh, maybe even a little bit in your social, but I don't, I don't care that much. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, go check that out, y'all. I'll put it in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 193 to grab that free starter kit. That sounds like a lot of info in there. So grab it, grab it, grab it. And then where else can people hang out with you? Well, since you guys are listening to a podcast, this is a good time to share that I just launched my own podcast. It's called The Social Slowdown. You can find it at socialslowdown.com. And it's all about finding new ways to generate leads for your business without being heavily dependent on social media. That doesn't mean you have to give up social media. It doesn't mean like social media is evil. Clearly, I don't believe that I'm on social. But it is about not being tied to specific algorithms. Or, you know, there are times where like Instagram, and Facebook just crash. And you don't want to feel like your entire business goes down because that's the only way that you can get leads. So we're talking about figuring out business models that make sense for you, about setting boundaries um, in the time that you spend on your social media. I just had Andrea on for you were episode number three, because I was like, let's come out of gate swinging. And like, we're not anti-social. We are anti being attached and really obsessed with these metrics and dependent and reliant. Um, we're talking about how to track what's working so that we are not spending times on things that don't necessarily move the needle in your business and ways to be found, not just SEO, because sometimes that doesn't work for the way that your business runs or your brain works, but also, you know, guesting on podcasts and shoulder tapping new clients and referral generation and summits and podcast guesting and finding new ways to get in front of your audience without feeling like you have to like pay for expensive ads or like dance on a screen. I have no interest in doing reels, guys. None whatsoever. (laughs) I won't make you dance. Yes. Check out the podcast. I'll put a link to that. Episode three, you said, is the one I'm on. Yes. Listen to that episode because we talk about boundaries and how to approach social media in a way that's not like, doesn't feel like you're selling your soul, basically. So true. So Yes, go check that out. As a side note, I may have to get you to do reels. I'm, we're going to have to talk about this. That, that may have to be a different conversation. Okay, I'll talk to you Friday and you can try to Let's convince talk. me. We <laughs> yeah. already have a call on the books. <laughs> yeah, we need a sidebar about that. But with that, thank you so much for being on the show. This was such a great conversation and really adding perspective to the larger marketing conversation, which has been so helpful, Meg. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to another episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. It helps keep us in the top 100 marketing podcasts. We are ranking now in the US, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, all because of you. So keep that support coming in. We love to see it. Next week, I have more episodes coming for you. They come out every single Tuesday. So I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I'll be on social media. Bye for now.